Well, how is everybody? Everybody good? <laughs> wow, that was unconvincing. Okay. We're good. Okay. I'm happy to be back. Thank you for noticing. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. I usually get claps when I'm gone, uh, so that's awesome. I, I, uh, we got back, I think, on Wednesday. I don't really remember. It was 24 hours of travel. It was really stupid. And uh, I may have a little bit. There's something called uh, narcolepsy. That's where you kind of fall asleep. Some of you know because you do it during the sermon. Uh, but uh, I may have a little bit of that today. So if I fall asleep, somebody should you know, come up and shake me. That would be great. Um, I'll tell you a couple of stories. People have asked about pictures. I really didn't include any pictures. It wasn't, I, didn't think, I didn't know that was my assignment. So uh, I'll try to give you some next week of some of the things that we did, which was really kind of cool. We had the chance, if you don't know, uh, to go visit our daughter and son-in-law in Switzerland. And um, it was tons of fun. It's great. I'll tell you a couple of stories during, during the sermon. Um, my daughter, uh, Elise, is about to become a senior in high school. And so one of the things that I've done with all four of our girls is take them on, we call it the, you know, the summer world tour of colleges, just to see where they might want to go. So um, you, you go to the campuses or campi because you want to get a kind of a feel for the school. And I have been on 22 college tours in four, for four daughters. That's a lot of tours. So... Um, Every school, this is going to really shock you, I'm glad you're sitting, every school has um, a place to eat, uh, they all have dorms, they all have Wi-Fi. It's funny, you go on campus and they'll act like, we have dorms, like really, uh, you're the only school I've ever been to that has a dorm. Uh, so they all have kind of the same stuff, but some of them put off a different vibe than others. I, one of uh, My oldest daughter is named Amaris, and we went and visited a school in Kentucky and we had made an appointment. Uh, you usually make an appointment, hey, we're going to be there, you know, at 1 o'clock or whatever. So this particular appointment was in the afternoon. I think it was 1. We show up in the admissions office. Um, we get there. They act like they're surprised that we're there. That's not really a good feel. You know, it's like, well, we made an appointment. I can see the little girl behind the desk calling someone. Like, they usually send a tour guide with you, and so... They call the tour guide girl. She shows up in what I'm fairly certain is what she slept in, which was a t-shirt with another college's name on it. She had bedhead. I mean, it was like, okay, well, you don't really want us here. So sometimes the vibe is bad like that. Um, we, Elise and I toured uh, Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee, and that's the home of, I believe, Rascal Flats. Everybody, life is a how. Come on. Uh, so uh, that's a, a really kind of a. I don't think any of them are actually named Rascal or Flats, from what I know. But anyway, I think they all went to school there. And um, different kind of vibe at that school. Very cool. Uh, there is a building on campus called the Vest Building. I know. Uh, he was a bootlegger and uh, gave a lot of money, and so it kind of worked out. Now, there are a lot of infamous vests, so we claim that guy. His name was Lamar, and he was the president, and they named a building after him. Uh, that was kind of cool. We went to um, Anderson. We toured Anderson. One of the things I liked about Anderson, they, they gave their um, core values. There are three or four. I can't remember. But one of them was hospitality. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool for a college to have hospitality as a, a core value. I really have been to a lot of those uh, schools, and that's the first one I'd ever heard. And so places have a, uh, 
um, a vibe about them, kind of a, they're, they're known for things. So we went to Switzerland. Switzerland is basically, it's a, a smallish country and it's around other countries and they're kind of regions where they speak. Um, Miriam was born in the German-speaking region, but there's a uh, there's a, a French-speaking reason. I, I am quite adept at French now. Uh, really, uh, bonjour, uh, merci, and uh, uh So I know three things. Um, there's an Italian uh, section. So we went to the Italian part of Switzerland, and um, Italians have a reputation. You know, people have a reputation. Um, I ordered a pizza without cheese. They, they didn't love that uh, in Italy. Um, I, I don't speak the language, but I do know gestures. Uh, and so uh, uh, that, I got a lot of this going on. Um, the Swiss people uh, are very precise. You know, they make watches and those kind of things. It's really funny to, or fun to watch the, the way a lot of pedestrians, a lot of people on bikes in, in cities are everywhere, actually. And so um, the trains are on time, and you know, it's just it's very precise. Okay, so today we're going to be in Numbers 35, and we're going to be looking at the, the nation of Israel. God wanted them to have a feel, a vibe. Um, they were ex-slaves. They had wandered in the wilderness. They were coming into a promised land. And they had experienced some things in slavery, and they would experienced some things in wandering. And now they were going to, they're going to be their own people with their own place, and God wanted to establish some rules for what the country would be like. And so he gives them these commandments. You may have heard of them. They're called the Ten Commandments. Uh, he gives them these other commands about how there's to structure things and do things. And so God wanted part of their vibe as a country to be justice. So we're going to talk about this. God establishes something called the cities of refuge. There's this... It's, you may not have ever heard of this, it's really this obscure thing that God establishes, but it's to make sure that Israel was known as a place of justice. Uh, you, you remember, you've probably watched movies about the Wild West, and there's kind of vigilante justice, and if there's no law, if there's no law enforcement, if there's no 911 call center, then you self-police, that's just how it works. And back in the day, there wasn't really law and that kind of thing, and so they People had a tendency in most countries to kind of self-police. And, and, and God was saying, okay, we're going to do it differently in Israel. So you have to know the background. Let me give you a little background and then we'll jump in, okay? The Lord said to Moses, command the people of Israel to give the Levites from their property certain towns to live in. Time out. Okay. So God had promised them a land. It's called the promised land. And when they got there, there are 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, can anybody name them? <laughs> Me either. Uh, okay. Uh, so uh, there's Reuben, and there's Naphtali, and there's different ones. And every tribe of people got a certain plot of land, a big chunk of land. Not um, plot sounds small. A big uh, region of land. And so the Levites were sort of the preacher people of the Jews. Think of preachers when you think of them. They did religious rituals and that kind of thing. They didn't get land, but they got cities. So they were to establish some cities for the Levites. The total number of towns and pasture lands with Israelites' territory given to the Levites was 48. 
And so there's this land, and among the land there were 48 towns, cities, uh, and pasture land that were designated for the Levites. And um, six of them were called cities of refuge. Cities of the, six of the towns you give the Levites will be cities of refuge, where a person who has accidentally killed someone can flee there for safety. So, again, no police force, no state troopers. Um, I, I, I'm working beside a guy, and we, there's an accident, and he dies. And now there is a threat because we have an instinct toward revenge for somebody to take vengeance on me because of an accident that's happened. And anybody that's ever had a kid understands that you don't have to teach kids revenge. It's sort of in the DNA. Uh, you go into the two-year-old room, and a kid takes somebody's toy, something, uh, uh, one kid takes another kid's toy away. Well, they don't just say, well, okay. Uh, they scream, they hit, I mean, they, they pull hair, they bite, because we are people with the DNA of vengeance. And so God is saying, okay, well, that is kind of in the DNA of humanity. Let's make certain that's not what we are. We're not barbarians. And so we're going to establish a city of refuge, six of them actually, so that people who are involved in an accident aren't prosecuted and executed without a fair trial. Now, think of a subdivision, and everybody in the subdivision is a preacher. It's heaven. You know, no need for an HOA president. We all mow our yards. We don't park on the street. We hide our trash cans. We're not barbarians like you people. Uh, okay, so uh, there's, this, there's this city, and there are six of them. They had a slogan, what happens here, praise here. Uh, that's funny. It's funnier than you're making out. Uh, and so uh, they have these, uh, these cities full of preachers. And that's where you would flee to if something bad happened. Now, um, he says, select some towns to be your cities of refuge you can flee to. They will be places of refuge for the avenger. The avenger. See, some of you uh, uh, comic book nerds thought the avengers was something new. No, no, God invented the avengers. Uh, from the avenger, so that a person accused of murder may not die before he stands trial before the assembly. And this is God's plan to make sure people who uh, may have not intended bad things to happen aren't prosecuted and persecuted before they have a fair trial. Refuge is this really great word. We have wildlife refuges. That's where animals come. They put animals to, to have a safe haven. Um, we have safe houses for uh, abuse victims. One of the reasons church, this room, is called a sanctuary is because it is a safe place. It is a place for you to, to hear about the love of God and to know and to maybe feel that in your spirit. And, and we all need a safe place sometimes. And so these cities of refuge, they were safe places because everybody needs a safe place. And you might be here today and you're thinking, you know, I, I've never thought of the sanctuary like that, but I'm happy to be in here. This is a place where you can feel, hopefully, welcomed and wanted 
and loved and safe. Now, the cities of refuge weren't a get-out-of-jail-free card. They were a let's-make-sure-justice-is-done card because they were going to, there was going to be a, basically a trial. It says um, that this is the place uh, you escape from the avenger so that the person accused of murder may not die before he stands before the assembly. And the idea is there would be a, a some of the Levites would form a, a jury. That's a, probably the best way to describe it. And they would hear the case. Um, this was what happened. This is my side of the story. And then there would be another side of the story. Have you ever noticed there's two sides of every story? That's kind of how it works. And so uh, this guy would tell his side of the story. And then maybe uh, one of the family members said, no, no, he did. He always had it in for my uncle, uh, you know, Cletus or whatever. And, and so they would have this, this trial. And you would do that in the city uh, of refuge. Now, the idea God wants to present to us in this, and, and all of these are kind of Old Testament pictures of a New Testament reality. And he wants to paint this picture of, hey, justice needs to be part of what we do. We need to be people who, when we follow the Lord, we need to be people who are inclined toward justice. Uh, we, we don't lie, we don't cheat, we don't steal. I, I've never really been accused of cheating I had a teacher one time tell my mother, well, with his grades, at least we know he's not cheating. Uh, so uh, I'm always kind of proud of that. You know, it's like, okay, at least I'm not cheating. And, and so my mother, that's the only thing she could hang her hat on was, well, at least he's not cheating. Now, have any of y'all ever played the game Fox and Hounds? Anybody? What is wrong with you people? Okay. You've heard of hide and seek, right? Have you played hide and seek? Anybody? Raise your hand. I just want to know. Okay, great. Okay, you're not total losers. Okay, great. All right. So hide and seek. You hide. Somebody does what? Seeks. It's not hard. Um, you're hiding, but you have to kind of stay there. Fox and hounds is different. It's better. It's next level. We're in Kentucky, next level. Uh, so uh, you had one hound, and everybody else was foxes. Everybody else is hiding. But if the hound found you... Then you became a hound and you tried to help catch all the foxes. All right? So the fox would hide, but the fox didn't stay hidden. So they would, you know, fox around, whatever foxes do. They, they, they were wily, like a coyote. And, uh, and you, the, idea was, the idea was that you would get home free. Usually it was a home tree, uh, actually, uh, when we played. We always play in, at dusk. You didn't play at dark because you, you could run into a tree. Uh, I've done this myself. And so uh, you played at dusk, and it was awesome. Well, the city of refuge is sort of like this idea of home free. Now, you, it's not a, a pass. There was still a trial. But, but one, of the, one of the really interesting things about this whole system is he talks about from the avenger. Somebody in your family was designated as the avenger of blood. Isn't that awesome? I'd love that on my resume. Uh, preacher, avenger of blood. I mean, it's like, it would be super. And so can you imagine sitting next to the avenger of blood at Thanksgiving, you know, Thanksgiving dinner? 
Who you been avenging? Where you been avenging? I mean, it's just this, he's the guy that if something happened to his family, well, he bowed up and he was the one that was going to make sure, in Kentucky we call it hillbilly justice, uh, but he was going to make sure that things were set straight. And every family, every clan had an avenger of blood. And I think maybe he was designated. Somebody was like, uh, well, Jimmy, he can't read, but uh, he, he's big. Uh, we'll make him the Avenger of Blood. I, mean, I think that's kind of how it worked. And so these families had Avengers of Blood, and something bad would happen, and so he would bow up, and he would chase the guy, and he would chase him to these cities of refuge. Now, accidents happen. We live in a very litigious society. We want to sue. We not only want to. People sue about everything. Um, a cup of coffee spills, you see somebody. You fall down, you see somebody. Sometimes it's just accidents, sometimes just happen. And so this was a way, the cities of refuge were a way for God to establish a, a means by which justice could be served properly. It, it was a brilliant notion. Now, Jesus taught about these sorts of things. Let, let me show you a verse. Jesus said, you've heard that it was said eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Um, that's from Exodus. Let, let me read exactly what Exodus says. If there is a serious injury, you are to take life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. It, it was explicit. Now, Many of us in this room, maybe most of us in this room, have heard this before. You've heard it said eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But I tell you, resist the evil person. Turn the other cheek. Most of us know turn the other cheek. But just for a second, I want you to see if you can get that out of your mind. And all you've ever known is eye for eye, tooth for tooth, bruise for bruise, toenail for toenail. That's all you've ever known. By the way... That is quite um, a jump from what we really want to do. Here, look, let's just be real honest. If somebody slaps me, my tendency isn't to slap them once. It's to slap them silly, right? I don't want to give you what you gave me. I want to give you more than you gave me. How dare you give me anything? But you're going to pay for it. This is nat natural reaction. So this law that God established, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, life for life, that was saying you can't do more. You can do equal, but no more. And it was, the law was brilliant. God is brilliant in establishing that. And yet Jesus is saying, you've heard that whole tooth for tooth thing, but I say to you, and when he does this, he's saying, I'm going to elevate myself and my words above the law. And all those guys who taught the law hated him for it. Because he was saying there's a better way than the law. It, it was startling to them. They were shocked by this. How could anybody claim to have better words than Moses? And Jesus is like, look, you've heard that whole thing, and that's good. But I tell you, it, it was a step up. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, better. Better than, you know, uh, life for tooth. 
Much better. But Jesus, but, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And I believe that when he said that, there would have been an audible gasp in the room on the mountain. They would have said, oh, Well, how will justice ever be served by that? And this whole thing continues into the New Testament. Do not repay evil, anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. Well, I like revenge. I like the notion of revenge. I like movies about revenge. I like stories about revenge. I dig revenge. I think most of us do. My favorite revenge story is about, um, there was a guy in Britain named Tim uh, Shaw. He was sort of the, um, the shock jock of, of the radio in, in Britain. Who was the guy in New York that, uh, Howard Stern, he was the Howard Stern of Britain. Uh, who knew that? You shouldn't know that. Uh, uh, he was the Howard Stern of, of Britain. And so one night, his show was on from 11 to 2. One night he has this, you know, pinup play playgirl uh, person on his show, and he says to her, "I would leave my wife and two kids for you." Unfortunately for Tim, his wife Haley was listening to the show that night. She went to eBay, posted his forty-five thousand dollar Lotus Esprit Turbo for sale, with one condition: this is an auction; it's on sale. For 90 cents, if you can pick it up in the next three hours. You have to pick it up before he comes home. The auction lasted, let me read it, five minutes and three seconds. A guy bought it, came and picked it up. When Tim got home, no car. They asked her later, why did you do this? And she said, I mean, why did you sell it so, so cheaply? And she said, what about the money? I just wanted to get even. And I like that story. And I think most of us like that story, except it doesn't really reflect, do not take revenge. And in fact, it goes on, my dear friends, don't take revenge. Leave room for God's vengeance, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And there's this idea of trust. Do I trust that God will take vengeance on what I want him to take vengeance on? Now, if I think vengeance is due, I will pray, Lord, I leave this into your hands to take vengeance. However, if you'd like to include me uh, in the vengeing process, vengeancing process, I would be happy to be a part of that process. Um, we, we like this whole notion. So God is saying, look, we're going to establish these cities of refuge as a place where justice is served. We're not going to be like everybody else, all the other countries, all these places you've seen, all these places you've experienced, all these places you've heard about. We're not going to be barbarians. We're going to be the people of God, and we do things a certain way. Now, let me notice uh, for you a couple of interesting things about the cities of refuge. First, it's God's idea. The Lord said to Moses, do this. Uh, he didn't consult with the elders of uh, you know, Israel. He just said, hey, this is my idea. This is what we're going to do. 
And so it's, it's God's idea. Not every city was a city of refuge. There were a few cities that were cities of refuge. And they were easily accessible. Let me show you a map. Everybody loves maps. I'm going to show you. So you've got, um, you see the Dead Sea, you see the Sea of Galilee, in between that's the Jordan River. So on the left side, on the west side, there are three cities. On the right side, uh, on the uh, east side, west side, there are three cities on each side of the Jordan River. There's a north, middle, and south of each one of these. They are easily accessible. In fact, they were positioned strategically so that anyone in Israel, and Israel is the part that's green, anyone in the nation of Israel could get to one of these within a day's walk or a day's run if you were really, really scared of the avenger of blood. Now, let me make note of a couple of things. Some extra Jewish writings, and you know, the Bible, we trust the Bible the most, but there are other writings of that time, and they talked about certain aspects of how you got to the cities of refuge. They had you know, it's, this is relative, but they had straight roads. They had, these straight roads were wide. They were well-maintained. This is really interesting to me. The Levites were the ones who maintained the roads. So they were the preacher guys, but they also um, were in constructions, evidently. And so uh, the, the winter rains would come, and in the spring, uh, the, the Levites were responsible to make sure, certain that um, the road was clear and passable. They had bridges on these roads so you didn't have to traverse these ravines down and up. There, were signage, there was signage on the road. Hey, the city of refuge this way. Have you ever been driving someplace and you're looking for a sign and you see there's a sign there but, but the weeds have overgrown it or the kudzu's on top of it. And so uh, it was the Levite's job to kill the kudzu. That's why I enjoy it so much uh, uh, because I feel like a Levite uh, when I'm killing kudzu. And so they had, to main, they had to maintain the roads. They had to make sure they were clear. And I don't know the topography of where all of these are located but people who do say that they were high and lifted up. They were raised on a hill. So if you're far off and you're desperate and you're running for your life, you want to know how close you are to the city of refuge. And so they would be, you know, fleeing for their lives and, and then they would, they would pop over a hill and there it was. It was close and they knew it was close and they could get to it before too long. And these cities were as easy as possible to access. That was the whole point. They were easy to get to, and they were always open. Now, this is unique because most cities in that era had walls. You closed the gates at night because you didn't want the riffraff coming in or people attacking. So these cities were always open. We went to one town. I don't know what town I was in. Oh, it was French. Montauvon. Say it with me. Uh, I don't care. Uh, we went to this town, and it had this old church, and we were walking along, and all the churches are just, they're just amazing, and they're beautiful, and it's an old church, and um, we were wondering if it was unlocked, and I said, Elise, go up there and see, uh, because, you know, I don't want to get caught. And uh, uh, she, she goes up and she opens the door, and I'm like, go in. Uh, yeah, so so we, we got to go in. It was kind of interesting. The church was open. And you could go in, and you could light a candle, and it was kind of that way. And, and so these cities were that. They were open. And because the one thing you didn't want to do, you're fleeing for your life. You know, you're coming along, you're fleeing for your life. And, and you get to the door, and it's locked. And the avenger of blood catches up to you. They didn't want that to ever happen. 
And here's something even perhaps the most interesting about this. They're open to everybody. You'd think this was an accommodation just for the Jewish people, but not so much. These six towns will be a place of refuge for Israelites, for the Jews, and aliens, and any other people living among them. God was saying, listen, refuge, justice, isn't just for my people. It's for all people. Everybody gets justice. We have this tendency, just like we have a tendency toward revenge, we also have a tendency toward judgmentalism. We just do. I was on an airplane, and there's first class. I'm not going to ask anybody if you've ever flown first class, because I would automatically not like you. First class people with their full blankies, you know, and, and their bottles of water. You know, we get gruel, and, uh, you know, we're in the back, and we're, we're like sardines in the front. First, but here's something I discovered on this trip. Uh, travel tip number one. If you're going to go any place... Take somebody in a wheelchair. My mother-in-law was in a wheelchair. Oh, we jumped every line. It was awesome. It was the greatest thing ever. We went to customs. I could have smuggled anything. Uh, they just blow us right through. It's great. People shooting daggers. Probably didn't help I was doing this. You know, I, I'm pushing the wheelchair. I, I'd go up and back, you know, a little bit. I'd say, you want to get, for, oh, sorry, I'll get wheelchair. You know, I, I loved it. Wheelchair is the best thing ever. So fake an injury, I don't care what you have to do, get a wheelchair if you go to the, the airport. Uh, we, we, were, <laughs> we would have been so late, and, uh, and, and I was, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm playing this. Oh, I played it. Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. Uh, I played it. I got in the back of the line like, oh, poor us. I had this face. Got the lip. It was kind of quivery. And then they waved me up. It was like, <laughs> waved us up. It was awesome. So if you're traveling, get somebody uh, with, a, with a wheelchair. Okay, so there's a point. I just don't remember what it was. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. We're not supposed to judge people, you know? So don't judge me on that whole wheelchair thing. Look at what it says in James. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus, don't show favoritism. Justice, mercy, it's for everybody. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin. And the Old Testament picture of the city of refuge was this. Don't show favoritism refuge mercy justice it's for everybody something else it's this picture of accountability these six towns will be places for refuge and aliens living among them it was a picture of a place where you would be accountable you're accountable look we learn accountability when we're young we we learn it when we're young um, we say uh, to our kids, hey, if you do your chores, you get an allowance. If you don't, you don't. There's, there's you know, um, cause and effect. It's just how it works. If you eat all of your supper, you get a dessert. Uh, if you talk back, you know, you get punished. 
And then you grow up and you get a job and you show up to, to, to your job late five days in a row, you get in trouble. You might get fired. There are consequences. We have to be accountable for ourselves. You ignore or disrespect your spouse. That's not going to lead to good things. But you work hard. You might get a raise. You might get a promotion. That's how it works. Consequences are real, both positive and negative. And so, again, this wasn't a get-out-of-jail-free card. Let me read a couple more verses to you. So if someone hates another person and waits in ambush, then pushes him or throws something at him and he dies, it's murder. Or if someone hates another person, there's a, there's a meditation, they're motivated. Or if someone hates another person and hits him with a fist and he dies, it's murder. In such cases, the avenger of blood must put the murderer to death. But suppose someone pushes another person without having shown previous hostility or throws something that unintentionally hits the person. This is my favorite part. Or accidentally drops a huge stone on somebody. <laughs> you know, it's like walking on a wall. Whoop. You know, it's like, heads up. Uh, that kind of makes me laugh. A huge stone on somebody. Though they were not enemies and the person dies, if this should happen, the community must protect the one accused from the avenger of blood. We're not going to mete out vigilante justice in my community. God was saying, look, that's not how we are going to do things. There's this amazing verse in Exodus about who God is. The Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, this is a description. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love and faithfulness. He maintains love to thousands and forgiveness uh, uh, he, and forgives wickedness and rebellion and sin. And this is what we love about God. He's, he's full of grace and mercy and truth and forgiveness and justice. We love that about him. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. This is the complete picture of God. Yeah, is he loving? Absolutely. Is he forgiving? Yes. Is he gracious? So much. Is he just? Yes. And we live in a world where things don't always seem to be just. A couple of weeks ago, they found a, a bag of cocaine at the White House. And they can't figure out who brought it in there. And I don't care what political party you, you affiliate with, that just doesn't seem fair. Look, we know people. I got cousins that are in the, uh, in the pokey for doing less than that. We, we, we of course, that's, that could be because of my family, but we know people, right? We, we all know people. They got in lots of trouble for doing a lot less. That just doesn't seem fair. And in this life, it might not be fair. And when we get frustrated with the fairness of this world, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. They might go unpunished today, but they won't go unpunished forever. I, I, I wish... I wish justice, justice was meted out perfectly for most people. 
I'm not sure I always wish it for myself. I, I really like grace. I, I, I've, I have jumped into the deep end of the pool of grace several times in my life. This gracious God of ours gives us so many opportunities. Now, let's finish up. Refuge is costly. Look at this is so interesting. Do not accept a ransom for anyone who has fled the city. You can't pay your way out of the city of refuge. You have to allow, he has to stay there uh, in the land until the death of the high priest. It is such a weird, weird commandment. Why? I mean, if I'm proven innocent, why do I have to stay? It's almost as if he's under house arrest. Well, there's a reason. Look what it says here. He, the accused, must stay there in the city of refuge until uh, until the death of the high priest. God has reverence, this great reverence for life. Look at what it says in Numbers 35. Bloodshed pollutes the land. And whether it's gangbangers or white supremacists or abortionists, bloodshed pollutes the land. And God is saying, this is not who we are. So they had to stay until the priest died, which is really weird. But there seemed to need to be a substitute Those of us who have been taken refuge in God, this is a great verse, hold on to the confidence we have been given. We we take refuge in God. Now look, we have a high priest. The the Old Testament high priests, they they couldn't forgive sin, but we have one that can. We have this confidence that goes into the holy place behind the curtain where Jesus went before us on our behalf. He has become our high priest. And as I said before, the Old Testament pictures usually paint a picture of something that's going to happen in the New Testament. And the Old Testament picture of the city of refuge is this beautiful portrait of who Jesus is. So let's end with this verse. You might know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Refuge from sin was God's idea. Just like the city of refuge, now it's his idea. That whoever Jew, non-Jew, alien, whoever, just like the city of refuge, believes, easy access, always open, anyone can enter, whoever believes can find refuge. This, This city of refuge picture was pointing directly at Jesus. He is our refuge from sin, from death, from eternity apart from God. Whoever believes in him shall not perish. Though the avenger of blood might be upon us, There's a price that was paid so that we don't have to suffer loss ourselves. That's a great picture. It's such a great picture. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the picture you painted for us, for the words you gave to us, to show us, to direct us, to point our ancestors to Christ. I pray, God, that we would lean into him as our refuge, as our our salvation. 
We pray it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen.